It's a midway point of the season for the Heat to, to help us make sense of what's happened and what comes next. We're joined by Rowan Nodkarni of Sports Illustrated to help us get ready for the next 41 games. Who starts? Who finishes? Is a trade necessary? So many great questions answered on a great show you won't want to miss. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fancy video graphics now? What is going on here? What is that? I told you we're, we're YouTubers now. Whoa, 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 whoa. I wasn't right. I would have worn a suit. <laughs> instead, wow, you wore, instead, you wore the Panthers hat. So yeah, that's, that's almost as close. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, hello, Heat Nation. Anyway, it's a Friday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat. Your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host Wes Goldberg. We've had a great week following Miami's best win of the season in Phoenix. Interviews with Kyle Guy and Mario Chalmers. So please check those out if you haven't already, but you absolutely should have by now. But with 41 games out of the way, it's time to assess this team and what's next for them. And who better to do that than one of the best people in the business, our great friend of the show, Rowan Nodkarni of Sports Illustrate. How are you, my friend? I'm great. I'm great. Good to see you guys have uh, been thriving despite uh, Wes's re-addition to the podcast. So, <laughs> it was a yeah. rocky incorporating him yeah. at first, but it's, it's worked out, you know. Considering we did the pod for three years before that, it wasn't all that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, we're, we're glad to have you back. What are you, uh, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, how are you? First of all, you're doing great. Everything good? Cannot complain. Everything's going well. Good. Uh, well, what do you think of this Miami Heat season so far? Because full disclosure, we're recording this on a Wednesday before they take on the Atlanta Hawks for the first of a back-to-back set there. But uh, at this point, 25 and 15, looking like they're they're showing some improvement, uh, finally getting some players back, although Jimmy Butler still ruled out against the Hawks on Wednesday night. We'll see how soon he returns. But what are your thoughts of the Heat season so far? I mean... You know, David, you and I did the podcast at the start of the season going over what's our biggest fear for this team. And I remember vividly we said, you know, are the guys like Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Casey O'Connor, are they going to be able to step up? Right. And I think that's been the story of their season. They've gotten contributions that I think even in their wildest dreams they could not have expected uh, from some of the guys lower in the depth chart. The Vincents, the Struces, even you mentioned you guys interviewed Kyle Guy. He He had his moments. Uh, as a 10-day player, uh, and it's just been remarkable. I mean, Omer Yurtsevin, the fact that this team's been able to stay afloat, I don't think that you can necessarily draw conclusions yet about this team. I'm sure we'll, we'll get there, we'll, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves. But, and it's just been remarkable what they've been able to accomplish with all the the lineup turmoil that Eric Spolster's had to deal with. Yeah, I think that, you know, the, the coaching job that Eric Spolstra has done has clearly put him in position to be at least a coach of the year candidate. And I don't know. I, it's just, it's crazy what this guy is able to do time and time again with injuries and things like that. I, I actually feel like he maybe is injuring people on purpose just to <laughs> try to do something. I think he's like, you know what, Bam Adebayo, you don't need that thumb um, and, and whatever it is. But I, I don't know. My, my biggest thing with them is, all right, Obviously, depth was a big question coming into the season like you were talking about. But now that it appears to at least be a strength, how do you sort of incorporate all these guys 
into the rotation? How do you how do you combine two different styles of play? Because you had a different ver- like in the beginning of the year, we're all talking about wow, Miami doubling down on the mid range game with Jimmy and Bam and their defensive first rebounding slow down the tempo, all this stuff. And now with Struess and Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin and Gabe Vincent, all these three-point shooters that are coming off the bench now, how do you incorporate them, not just from a body standpoint, because we're talking about 11 or 12 guys who you might want to get minutes for, but also just from a playing style standpoint? I, I don't think it's easy. I don't think it's easy. I think it's probably a good problem to have, but it's not an easy one to solve if you're Spo. It's definitely not. And I, I was, you know, I tweeted about this and everyone, like yeah. all the Twitter coaches are crawling out of the woodwork, like, oh, right. it's easy. You just do this. You just play drive and kick. And I'm like, if it was that easy, Spo, I think would have had an answer for their half court offense early in the season, because early in the season, the half court offense wasn't very good. And, you know, the offensive rating was high, but they were kind of pushing ahead and, you know, with Kyle Lowry throwing those hit-ahead passes, et cetera. And the offense was starting to teeter a little bit before start guys started to go out with injuries. You remember the start of that first West Coast trip yeah. uh, against the L.A. teams. So I, I'm with you, Wes. I think it's a good problem to have, but it's a very interesting one because, you know, Caleb Martin, I think, has made an argument for why he should be closing games, especially because of what he can do on the defensive end, uh, picking up guards 94 feet you know, often starting games out on the other team's best runner player. I think Max Struess has made an argument for why he should be closing games. I mean, his shooting is just impossible to ignore at this point. And, you know, he, his size makes him a little bit more versatile defensively. And then obviously, I mean, you have Tyler Hero at the same time, who is probably the sixth man of the year. Yeah. Um, how do you keep him off the floor in the fourth quarter? But you only have five spots. You know, in a playoff series, Kyle, uh, Bam, and Jimmy are going to be out there. I think P.J. Tucker's been – the second most important player on the team so far this season. Are you going to take him off the floor in a playoff series? I, I think they are it, They are in a trickier position than people realize because Spo doesn't have a ton of time to test out all these different lineup combinations. And beyond that, their offense, it's going to be – you cannot expect them to keep playing offense the way they've played. It, as great as the shooting has been, it's – you know, that Phoenix game, that was a great game. They're not going to shoot like that every night. So they're in a little bit of a tricky position in terms of figuring out the right combos. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of double down on what you're talking about here, it's like we're kind of having there's the only one ball conversation, and people are like, really? You're having the only one ball conversation about Max Struess and Kayla Martin? But it's interesting because what Miami's best players do, like – Conflicts. They're not great three-point shooters, but they're the yeah. best players. And it's unda- they're undoubtedly the best players on the team. They're kind of fringe rotation guys. Those are the guys that are opening up the floor for their best players. So it's not really a, uh, hey, there's only one basketball conversation. It's, hey, you're only allowed to play five guys. And it almost feels like the Heat would have better spacing if they could play seven or eight guys on the court at one time in a weird way. This is a weird thing to do because do you, do you sit a superior player for maybe a worse player who can at least help you continue this three-point shooting trend that the Heat have been getting on? I mean, like that's again, that's the tough question for Spo. I I don't think it's that tough. I mean, I think the answer is pretty clear. Like, I, I think he'd love to be able to play the way where we saw against Phoenix, but I mean, there's no way that Jimmy's minutes are getting cut or that Bam's minutes are going to get cut. It's just a matter of them kind of understanding how to play to their strengths, which is what Spo always says. Is like we always lean into our strengths. What we do well is what we're going to continue to do moving forward and yes while he'd like to see 
some variety of that, you know, again, the, the recurring theme in our discussion so far is that it's a good problem to have, but, uh, I, well, I don't with know. Jimmy and Bam, no, I've got I, like I, I think you're right. Like you want to lean into what they do well, but also you want to keep like I I love the 40 point three point attempts a game target. I think that's a, ideally where they should be, like 38 to 43s a game, and they just weren't doing that right. with Jimmy and Bam. I, per 48 minutes with Jimmy and Bam, 32.2 three point attempts per game when those two are on the floor, and the Heat are shooting 28.8 percent from three point range. In other words, bad on a low volume and bad. Per 48 minutes without Jimmy or Bam Adebayo on the court, they're shooting 38 and a half three-point attempts per game or per 48 minutes and 40.4% from three-point range. I mean, that is an enormous difference. And I think in today's game, it's worth answering the question is, would you rather have like that mid-range stuff with Jimmy and Bam or would you rather just be, to use uh, Rohan's kind of uh, lingo here, spamming the three-point line over and over again because it's been proven to work in today's math. Like, I, it's sort of a math problem in a weird way. And I don't know. I think I'll, I'll throw it out here to the group. I mean, earlier in the year when Jimmy and Bam were healthy, they were kind of playing a lot of minutes together. My my first inclination is just to sort of split them up, maybe stagger their minutes. You kind of have one of those guys because Jimmy can drive and kick and then Bam can obviously facilitate out of the low post and um, from three-point line and, and everywhere on the floor. So is maybe that the answer, that you only have one of Jimmy and Bam on the court at all time and you just surround those guys with shooters? Yes and no. I will say one thing that could maybe help things is when Bam is on the floor, like if you look at the Jimmy and Deadman minutes, like Jimmy and Deadman have great chemistry. I think that, that Jimmy and Deadman, that pairing has a better net rating than Jimmy and Bam. I'm sure someone will fact check me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty confident that that's true. <laughs> one thing I wonder is do you take less, you know, do you put less on Bam's plate? Do you ask him to play more similarly to a Deadman, to a Yurtsevin, and it's like, you're just setting screens and diving hard. Do you take away some of that uh, DHO game? Do you take away some of that operate out of the mid post? Uh, do you do you maybe try to ask him to do a little bit less, play a more narrow role, and see if you can kind of goose the offense that way? Because a funny thing about the success that you've had with the uh, with Deadman or Yurtsevin, especially Yurtsevin lately on the floor, is they just they play a very narrow defined role in a, in a way that bam does not i know some people are maybe clamoring to play two bigs at the same time i don't think yeah, that's no. the answer for this team um but you know i, I think that's an interesting suggestion was staggering them and that that's another thing it just comes down to do they have time to run all these kinds of experiments i, I right. think that you know in just a you know david i'll let you speak here in a second i, I know that i'm i'm really rambling here but it, it just comes to mind immediately like they can test out staggering Jimmy and Bam. They can test out closing with Caleb. They can test out closing with Duncan. They can test out closing with Struess. They can test out not closing with PJ. Um, and amidst all of that, they still need to find their hammer lineup. That's what mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to. As you look at all the other teams around the league, they have that lineup that is like a 12 to 15 net rating that just blows teams off the door while on the floor. The Heat have a couple of those lineups, but most of them don't feature all their best guys. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge for Spo moving forward. I just, does he have the time to find? Yeah, no, that's well said. Uh, I don't know if there's, I mean, staggering seems like the most ideal option mm -hmm. also, but I just, I can't see 
Bam changing his role because everybody's been clamoring for him to be more aggressive offensively. It just seems so contradictory to who he is mm. as a player and what makes him special that I just don't see him evolving into a lesser role, even if it might be more beneficial for the team. Like I'm sure consciously he'd be more willing to accept whatever it takes in order for this team to win because that's his primary goal. But just the way he's wired and the way he plays, I just don't see him changing that approach because he's just so gifted as a natural playmaker but i was curious because i know we've talked about this before on the show but Rod, i wanted to get your take who have they missed the most out of jimmy butler or bam at a bio because i think the answer is pretty obvious but i'm curious to hear what you have to say about it i mean first of all it's really hard to say they've missed either of them just considering how <laughs> successful the team has been trade them I, both trade them i, both. I, I believe i believe ten, the 10 and 10 and 4 without jimmy and bam i believe which is mm-hmm. uh, pretty crazy um i think lowry's been their mvp this season he's been the glue he's been the linchpin the most important player for them so if i had to pick oh gosh i mean i think just because of the the nature of the shooting they've had it's probably been bam um, that they've missed more also because of how thin the front court is, you know, some of these games, it's, a, you know, Apollo when he was healthy playing the backup five PJ having to play a little bit of center, but not too much. Uh, that's a look. I hope we get to see maybe a bit more of, uh, in the playoffs, but I would say bam, just because of how thin the front court has been and, and how good the shooting has been. I mean, the heat have gotten lucky in the sense that at least one of Struess Vincent, uh, Robinson or Hero has seemingly been hot every night when in Jimmy's absence. And a hot shooter can go a long way in making up for missing Jimmy. You know, their defense has slipped, I will say that. But, I mean, if I had to pick, I would say Bam. I mean, obviously this is a real splitting hairs question. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Like, yeah. I, even Caleb Martin, I think, has been able to yeah. reproduce a lot of what Jimmy brings to the table, which would have been an unfathomable statement at the start of the season. And yet here we are where a lot of people are saying, you know what, he's a long-term uh, keeper, a heat lifer, if you will, moving mm-hmm. forward. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all of the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage on all of these amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. It's BetOnline, where the game starts. Well, we saw a a new wrinkle in the Phoenix Suns game that I think has a lot of Heat fans torn apart here, which is what happens to the starting lineup moving forward? Uh, Do you continue to go with Max Struess or Duncan Robinson? And we discussed this. Uh, I took some heat uh, from, no pun intended, about Duncan because I I just – I don't know exactly what it is that Max necessarily does a, a significantly better than Duncan Robinson, and yet a lot of people are saying it's time to trade Duncan, et cetera, and Max is the clear option moving forward. So I'll put it to you. What do you think about that, uh, and who continues to get the nod moving forward? I think everyone needs to cool their jets about Duncan Robinson. That means – No, you're wrong. That, that means, trade him. Trade him. Means, He's a bum. That means Sorry. Leif. Okay, Leif over at Five Reasons. Stop trying to trade him every night. That means that you know, <laughs> like whoever at Heat Beat is upset that night, stop trying to trade him, okay? Um, all of you guys are bums. Uh, <laughs> I, I just – I don't understand the rush to trade a guy that has proven in the playoffs that he could stay on the floor in important moments. 
uh, helped this team make the finals. Uh, that the year Jimmy's first year when the Heat made the finals, yep. it is hard to overstate the importance of Duncan Robinson to that group and how poorly Jimmy and Bam played offensively when he was off the floor. And you know, when we talk about some of their half court shooting struggles, a lot of that was I think he was in a, in a pretty big slump there to start the season. Uh, for what it's worth, since December 1st, Duncan's shooting over 40, I mean, just barely. I think he's shooting close to 41% from three, uh, right. around 40.5, something like that. That's right where he was last season. That's an incredible number on the volume of attempts that he's taking. It's yeah. very hard to shoot 40% from three in the NBA. And credit to Duncan. He said this week, I'll come off the bench. I'll do whatever's necessary. That's that's professionalism. That's being a great teammate. That's buying in, doing whatever it takes to win. But I think that he should continue to start. I think he has great chemistry with Bam and Jimmy. I think that he, now that he's shooting the way that people expect him to shoot, he's going to open up that half court offense for the heat. And he's also improved a lot defensively. I know I'm, I mentioned it too. Struce's size, I think uh, makes people really excited about what he can do on that in the floor. But I think Duncan's a great team defender generally is in the right place. Good at using his length uh, can stay in front of guys. And I just think people need to relax with Duncan. I understand that, you know, people start using the trade machine and his contract works in a lot of scenarios, blah, blah, blah. Like, listen, this is a good team. He's going to, he's going to have his moments where he contributes. People just need to take a deep breath and relax. But this, I don't think he's the kind of guy you give up on halfway through a, a season. No, there's this weird thing happening with with Heat fans, or I don't know, maybe it's a vocal minority on Twitter, or just like a, a trade machine thing. But they look. First of all, the slump that he got, that he was in to start the season, that becomes a narrative, and then mm-hmm. people don't look at the numbers that Rohan is talking about. Since he's been awesome, and by the way, even during the slump, all the advanced metrics said that the Heat were better with Duncan Robinson on the floor than off the floor. He still is a floor spacer in a meaningful way that defenses will pay attention to. NBA teams are smart and opponents are smart, and the scouting report doesn't change just because a guy is in a slump. It still will say, going into every Heat game, close out hard on Duncan Robinson, even if he's 33 feet away from the basket. And so opponents treat him like that. And I I don't know what this obsession about trading him is. It's, it's almost like Heat fans can't, fathom having more than one good three-point shooter on the roster like i don't know if this is just do we blame like the days of jason capono and wayne (laughs) ellington like those days where the heat were just like it was a one three-point shooting specialist team and like that's heat fans are conditioned to just have one good three-point shooter on the team at all times because in today's nba you want to have multiple like Gabe Vincent is a good three-point shooter. Caleb Martin is like shooting 37% from three lately, and you don't see people trying to trade them. I just see that like people just are, are kind of pigeonholing Duncan Robinson and Max Struess, I think for a very obvious reason, that as just three-point specialists. And they're yeah. more than that. Both players are more than that. I don't think that Duncan Robinson needs to, quote, add more to his game and start getting a mid-range game like people want. I don't know why you would want a guy who's shooting 40% from three taking mid-range shots. The math is always like, the reason we take 43s in a game now in the NBA is because the three is worth more than the mid-range shot. So Duncan, just I, I don't to give get people it. context, Duncan Robinson would have to shoot uh, 60% uh, on mid-range twos to make it more valuable uh, for him to shoot, right. you know, the threes that he's shooting since December 1st. Ridiculous. That's how good he is as a three-point shooter. And, and I'll just, I'll add to that. He's, he holds up defensively. He can be part of a good defensive team as well. He's proven that. Uh, it's frustrating. He's not, it, people think his contract is like some kind of crazy albatross. It's not. Um, I, I don't think, unless some, for some insane reason, some team is really willing to part, like, 
the Pistons aren't just going to give up Jeremy Grant, okay? Um, right. And I, I don't even know that he's as clean of a fit as, as people – like some people just get so obsessed with trades. Like I don't think they need to mess with this team. I, I think they're, they're playing pretty well. No, well, I think the big of... addition is Victor Oladipo, right? Is <laughs> yeah. that what you're going to talk about, David? Yeah, exactly. I was going to segue into that because I think everybody's looking at the trade deadline and, of course, mm-hmm. Oladipo's return, the buyout market, who they keep of these 10-day guys, that extra roster spot that is this tantalizing mystery box there. And is there a move that's necessary for this team to prove that they are elite title contenders? Because we had this discussion on a recent show. We keep coming back to the fact that they look deeper than any team in the NBA, and that's saying something when every team has been tested in a similar fashion. But what's your opinion as far as whether or not an additional roster move needs to be made for this group? I just don't know what is out there that is realistic because at the end of the day, sure. let's just, if we're getting down to brass tacks and it's the last six minutes of a playoff game, the heat of four guys that they know for sure are going to be on the floor and Kyle, PJ, Bam, and Jimmy. And that's a hell of a four to have on the floor. Oh, oh. Well, how about this? I mean, we saw what happened with P.J. Tucker last year with Milwaukee where he was virtually unplayable. Can that be something that happens again this season? It feels like such a long time ago P.J. has been – well, go ahead. I wouldn't say he was unplayable. I I think even in the the finals, the Bucs will tell you how important he was. I think that offensively they asked him to play a certain role in Milwaukee that he hasn't been asked to play in Milwaukee, and we've seen him offensively have arguably the best season of his career. So yep. I'm not worried about that in the slightest. I think that he played the role for the Bucks that they asked him to play, and I, I think everyone in Milwaukee would tell you he was an essential part of that team down the stretch. He just, you know, he had some some poor right. offensive nights, but uh, I, I think that they have a hell of a floor to put on the floor in a playoff series. Very few teams have four guys like that who can right. be so effective on both ends of the floor. So now you're looking at can we make a trade for a fifth guy that's going to dramatically alter our ceiling? And that's where it comes down to. I don't know what realistic options there are uh, that you're going to get someone to fill that fifth spot um, that's going to radically alter. Because you look at, you get Gabe Vincent, really what it comes down to in the playoffs is can you get guys who are going to survive on both ends of the floor? I think Gabe Vincent can survive defensively and make enough threes in a playoff series. I think Caleb Martin can survive defensively and maybe make wow. enough threes in a playoff series. Then you add in Struess. Then you add – I mean, they have guys that I think can belong. And if anything, the depth is going to give them options. One night, it's not Duncan's night, they can try Struess. It's not Struess's night, they can try Martin, et cetera. And then there's the Oladipo of it all, who gives them, I think, another kind of two-way threat. So, you know, I – Maybe I, if Jeremy Grant, they can somehow, but I just don't see that happening. No. And I, again, no. I don't love that fit. He's not a good rebounder. I, he's certainly not the floor spacer uh, that Strew Sir Robinson is. I, I don't know that it's as, you know, I don't know that he's going to help the half court offense. So I think that they have enough to, to borrow a spozum. I think that they have enough uh, because I, they're not going to yeah. magically, you know, finagle a star out of thin air. Well, to kind of get back to that hammer lineup question, because I think it's a good one, and we don't really talk a, a lot about it. Um, you mentioned the the four, Bam, Jimmy, PJ, and, and Lowry, and I, I I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you. Um, and I guess at the at the end of a game, you would put Tyler Hero in that fifth spot. Um, or but even or with Oladipo, or Oladipo if he's healthy. But right. it kind of gets back to that thing. It's like, all right, who's the floor spacer in that lineup? You know, like I don't I don't really know. I, I think theoretically you'd say, well, Lowry. Tucker and Oladipo, but you're not really threatened by them the way you are a Duncan Robinson or Struess or even like a Tyler Hero who's been making a ton of off 
you know, off the dribble threes this mm-hmm. season. Um, and Bam is not a three point shooter. Jimmy is, you, you don't really want him taking threes. So, um, like I, I, I get, it gets back to that same question. I don't know. Another part of me wonders, is it Bam, Jimmy, Duncan, Tyler, Lowry, and PJ comes off the floor? And maybe you're right. Maybe it's matchup dependent. But I just feel like this team has enough good players where maybe it shouldn't be. Like what if Spo had his way? What would be the closing five, regardless of matchup? I, I don't know that he even knows the answer to that question. Yeah, he, I, I think that's yeah. the biggest question. I don't know what their best five is, and I agree. It sounds crazy. Maybe you take PJ off the floor, but he's just been so good this season. So good, he's been so good. But that's it goes back to the thing. It's like the Heat's best players might their best five players in a vacuum might not be might the, not best, be the five best five together. Agreed. Together, Agreed. I mean, their most used lineup this year has only played 185 minutes together. And by the I way, mean, it's the projected look, starting lineup. Yeah, that's and you like, look at okay. and that lineup's been okay, but that lineup should be better. That lineup that that yeah. is what worries me about the Heat. Yes. Is can that group get it together offensively? It, it's Lowry, Butler, Duncan, PJ, and Bam. They're plus eight point six in one hundred and eighty-five minutes. The the trio of Lowry, Butler, and Bam, just the new big three. They're only plus four and a half points, which is a little uh, bit concerning to me. Now, granted, is. a problem is, is this has all been skewed with that was just from their first dozen fourteen yeah. games together. You know that starting lineup where you substitute Tyler for Duncan has been awful. But that's the same lineup that blew a couple huge leads uh, against the Jazz. So is that throwing off the stats? That lineup, Tucker, Butler, Adebayo, Robinson, Hero, minus 22 net rating, an 83 offensive rating. That just seems like it's not sustainable. But is it a good lineup? We don't know. And that's really the problem. They have one lineup that's played over 100 minutes. And even you look at some of their top lineups right now, Deadbins in two of the top three. He's He hasn't played in a few weeks. Uh, Adebayo's in their fourth most used lineup. He hasn't played in weeks. Um, yeah, they just, it's, I, I don't know how they're going to find the right combination and I don't know how they're going to find that lineup. And it might be that they just roll with that starting five and try to grind out playoff games and it's ugly and maybe it's doable, but I, I don't, I just don't know. Cause you could take PJ off the floor, but I think PJ's given you enough spacing this season that I don't know that he's going to dramatically changing yeah, he's, he's and shooting like 40 percent and 50 yeah. percent from the corners it's heck, with the, heck with the spacing it's that floater that's deadly and nobody expected yeah. to be a part of yeah. his offensive repertoire i, I don't know well it's i think you, it's it's it, at the beginning of the year the heat's identity right like if there was a mission statement for the miami heat it was right. we're going to rebound the crap out of the ball we're going to play right. awesome defense in the half court and in transition and then we're just going to fit and we're going to play the mismatches offensively and that starting five still gets you there. And that closing five, whatever, the hammer lineup, it still gets you there. But I don't think that they anticipated having so many great three-point shooters coming off the bench and kind of finding this new formula. So how do you incorporate that first formula with this new formula? And you're right, Rowan, to go back to your earlier point, they don't have they only have half the season to do it. 41 games, 25 of which are going to be at home. It's a really easy schedule. I think it's the third, yeah, the third easiest schedule um over the final 41 games in the league so it's going to be a little bit softer here they finally play some home games um so in that respect it makes it a little bit easier to experiment you can practice at home a little bit more than maybe you did the beginning of the season i think the heat have had like two or three total practices for the whole first half of the season probably see you probably expect that to be a little bit more going forward but um i don't know i don't know it just but it just feels like we we know what Spoh is going to do, right? He's always going to lean favorably towards a, a more defensive minded lineup, right, which is right. why, yes. why he's going to continue to incorporate Jimmy and Bam, even if they're not 
necessarily the best options for that free-flowing offense. And if given that, then it's just a question of whether or not you lean more defensively or offensively. And with Spo, we know what the answer is. So it's a, he'll, he'll go down with that same group no matter what. And I think he'll, he'll try to find a way of incorporating a new player. Like, okay, how about this? Given what we saw last time when they made this deep run in the finals and they were incorporating Jay Crowder into that lineup, is there another switch that they could do that would have the same similar impact as that that season? Because I don't think there is. Like if you bring in Max as a starter in place of PJ Tucker or somebody like that or Tyler, would that create the same kind of impact? No, I think I think what I think Tucker is the new Crowder, right? Like they've right. been trying oh, to double sure. down yeah. on that on that. And model listen, Tucker's been great. I, it's yeah. going to be interesting because I think at the end of the day, they still match up really well with the teams they need to match up with. I really hope yeah. they play the Bucks for a third time. I just think that yeah. would be a lot of fun. I, I know that because uh, it feels like the Heat beat the Bucks, so the Bucks go out and get Drew Holiday. Then the, the Heat get embarrassed, so they go out and get Kyle Lowry. Right. And now they have, you know, Tyler makes a huge leap forward, et cetera. Um, I still think at the end of the day, the reason why PJ is going to be on the floor is the defensive, you know, you mentioned the defensive versatility. That's what they're going to need against the right. Nets and the Bucks. Um, yeah, I, I think you'd rather have a chance defensively and try to grind out some offensive possessions. I'm with on that, but it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be really interesting. And I, I am so ready for the playoffs. I hate to say it because the season's been a lot of fun, but I'm just, I'm dying to see, uh, those four guys in in that moment, in that high pressure, you know, where every closeout is life or death scenario. It's going to be a lot of fun. I All still right. think uh, when push comes to shove, Spo trusts the guys who have been there. And I don't sure. I, I still as good as Vincent and Struess and Kayla Martin have been. I think if we're talking about like second round, third round of the playoffs, I don't know if they're getting minutes. Yeah, you know? I'm with you. Because on one hand, I'm like, you know, maybe they just go on big bench runs and that's how they, but that just doesn't happen in the playoffs. That's just not as important in the playoffs. Not when all your starters are going to be pushing 40 minutes. Um, so it's, really and you want I'm, the, and you want that mid range game of Jimmy in the playoffs, yes, right? This is what we yes. keep talking about is all this. They got to figure out a way to, to tick up the three point shooting rate, but you still want in the postseason Jimmy Butler bullying a smaller guard on a switch, getting 15, 16 feet away from the rim and hitting a, uh, a turnaround jumper. Like that's really at the end of the day, what the heat are built for. And, and, and if it works out best case, they could kind of do both on their way up to the postseason. Um, but at the very least, you know, you've got Jimmy Butler. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's the new year. So that means new year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating right, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you're gonna want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which could be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, if you wanna eat healthy, sometimes it just gets boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and packed with 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, usually has twice as many calories, way more grams of sugar, and, and dozens of net carbs. Uh, there are so many flavors to choose from. They have coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. Here's the offer. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off on your order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com.
Do we have mailbag well, questions? Get, yeah, we do have a couple. Uh, let's get into it. Uh, well, how about we'll start off with this one. Of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, which one is the most difficult challenge for Miami to uh, send to an NBA title? And which one is the easiest team to beat for Miami? Uh, I will. I, there's no team that's easy to beat. I, I, don't, I don't even know how to answer that question. I will yeah, say, I, I will say, most difficult. It's going to be. I think it's going to be Brooklyn. Yeah. Still over Milwaukee. I go back and forth. I think that Milwaukee is probably who I have as the favorites to make it out of the East. I still. I just think that Brooklyn is a nightmare, man. If if. Irving does end up getting vaccinated, which is an insane just thing to like have to say. Um, they were when those three guys were healthy in the playoffs last year. It was lights out, even for Milwaukee. They they had two huge wins against Milwaukee with their guys hurt. Um, and uh, yeah, I just think that they are, are terrifying. Patty Mills has been fantastic. What a pickup he was for them. I mean, right now they've, their defense has slipped and, you know, they've had guys in and out of the lineup. Joe Harris is hurt, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's so hard to, between, to pick between the Bucks and the Nets. Both of those are not are going to be absolute mountains to climb. Yeah, and there's a world where the, he'd have to play both of them and get through both of them if yeah. they want to go to yeah. the NBA Finals. Um, I'm with you. I think it's Brooklyn just because of sheer talent. We keep talking, oh, P.J. Tucker, he can guard Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant still scored 40 points a game in that series <laughs> yeah. or whatever it was with P.J. Tucker doing a great job defending him. Um, and then if you add Kyrie to the mix, James Harden, obviously. Harden isn't what he was in Houston, but you still have three guys who could space the floor, create off the dribble. Um, they obviously have depth concerns, but if Brooklyn can get healthy, I mean, I think that's ultimately where Miami would have some sort of advantages with depth, but my, but Brooklyn with all three guys, if they get all three guys available, can put a star on the court at all times who can change the game and who has proven to play well in the playoffs, at least in the case of two of their stars. So, um, well, yeah, I'm with you. I think recent, it's Brooklyn. I made this point on a recent lockdown NBA show. Like everybody's scared of the big three in Brooklyn, but is anybody scared of the team Brooklyn themselves? And I don't know that they are like because of those other concerns and the fact that we've seen, any one of those players can succumb to injury. Or maybe that's the case for every team and every superstar, but I just don't know that they're necessarily mesh as well as we keep expecting to be. Everybody thinks that, yes, what we've seen of them so far has been great, but is that necessarily a guarantee? And I'm not so sure that it is. But anyway, yeah, I think both teams are difficult. Rowan, you kind of skirted this issue. You don't want to say which one of the teams is easiest for Miami to knock off. Is it just playoff teams in the question? Is that the, what the Yeah, I don't even is? know yeah. that, like yeah. Yeah, the top teams like Philadelphia, Chicago, uh, Milwaukee, uh, et cetera. Which one of those teams? People, is people to just get ahead of themselves. Like people just get ahead of themselves. <laughs> like no, there's no team that's easy to beat. Okay, I'm sure right. some. I'm sure like locked on Philadelphia is like the Heat. We're gonna smoke those guys in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. It, it, no team is easy to beat. Wow, all right. Philadelphia'd be easy to beat. <laughs> yeah, all right. There we go. Good job. Good job, Wes. All right. This question comes in from Narayana, and he asks between Omer. Gabe, Max, and Caleb, who, in your opinion, will the Heat find most difficult to retain long-term, and who can they not afford to lose? So you got Omer, Gabe, Max, and Caleb. I haven't looked up most of their contract situations. I feel like um, I probably – They're all in those – are all non-guaranteed next yeah. year, right? So right, they have yeah. one more year at least of all those guys, right, except Caleb. No, not Caleb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, who they have to – so I think that by default will make Caleb the hardest to re-sign. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I do think of all those guys, I mean, it's tough. First of all, Vincent's proven to be the backup point guard they've needed for years. I don't know how you could lose him. I think Caleb is the best two-way player, so I don't know how you could lose him. And I think Struess is the best shooter, so I don't know how you can lose him. I, It's going to be tough. I, maybe there's a way they were able to keep all those guys, but frankly, I think they're all going to be hard to retain. And uh, you can make the case for Omer too, right? If you're gonna, if you've yeah. maxed out now Bam Adebayo and you're spending all that salary and one at yeah. one player on that position, there's value in retaining Omer at some sort of reasonable cost as right. a as a bona fide backup center. Um, I you know backup centers you could still usually find on the minimum. Like there's a Dwayne Dedman yeah, out there Dedman, every yeah. year. Um, I'm with well, you. I, I don't. Would, I don't really know. I was here. You said Gabe's are the the backup point guard that we haven't had in a long time. Theoretical situation: If Goron becomes available, do they keep Goron in, in place of Gabe Vincent at this point in their respective careers? I don't think that you can swap them out. It would be great if they could have both, but I don't. Right. I don't know that that's going to happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's interesting because I know a lot of people would be very hopeful that he'd be able to find yeah. his way back to Miami. But that's there's also something to say about Gabe's smaller contract and the fact that he's much better defensively than Goran Dragic, yeah. which might be something that this team needs. Yeah. All right. All right, last question here. Let's imagine an eight-man playoff rotation with Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Yurtseven coming off the bench. Who is your starting five? So Hero, Duncan, and Yurtseven well, he took, on the he, bench. He took, he took out a starter. I, I, <laughs> well, it's, I guess this question came after the Phoenix game uh, since then. I, so it wouldn't shock me to see Caleb Martin close some playoff games Ooh. if his three-point shooting holds sustains. That's right. what – but it's also – it can't just be that it sustains. It has to be that teams guard him. Um, and if they don't guard him, he's going to have to hit them in the playoffs. So I wouldn't be – it wouldn't shock me to see him on the floor at the end of some playoff games, even if they just go offense, defense with him. But I also don't think Yurt is going to be in the playoff rotation. I think it will be dead. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think Caleb Martin might, might – of all these guys, has the best chance to get into the playoff Rotation because of his ability to defend on the ball and the fact yeah. that depending on what Oladipo looks like when he comes back, like if Oladipo is not the on-ball stopper that you're hoping he is, then who is, right? I don't yeah. know that you want to put Jimmy Butler in those situations because of what you're going to need from him offensively and his help defense defensively is almost more valuable than it is uh, guarding ball handlers. But um, do you want to put Lowry in those situations? I don't know that you do. Um, the Heat have actually said that they don't because they'd prefer to put Caleb Martin on guys like Steph and Damian Lillard yeah. and Darren Fox and Kyle Lowry. So I think you could put Caleb in those positions. He's kind of, I don't remember who made this point first. It was uh, you or uh, me or David, but um, it kind of feels like Caleb Martin is the new Derek Jones Jr. He's going to be yeah. playable in certain matchups in the postseason and maybe not in other ones. But he's definitely I do, a better three point shooter. I would, I would be interested to see Caleb. I don't think Spo would ever do this. I'd be interested to see Caleb start a couple games just to see what Hero and Robinson could do, kind of just going after other teams' benches. I think mm-hmm. some people have raised the point, maybe it's helping Duncan come off the bench and kind of get his rhythm against other teams' backups. I don't know how true that is. It'd be interesting, though. I'd be interested to see kind of Hero and Robinson just launching off the bench and seeing what that does. But I don't know how realistic that is. Can we end it on this one last question? Do we? That was the, Those were all the mailbag questions, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. Basically, or do like, we have more? Yeah. I didn't know. Oh, no, no, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I thought, you, yeah, no, we have yeah. Uh, another one. Here, but I feel like it was a silly question about, like, which player is most likely to earn an all-star selection? Well, we can do that one quickly. I mean, Jimmy, right? It's Jimmy. I'd probably yeah. Jimmy, but, I mean, will he play enough games? Who knows? All right. Um, all right. Where did the Heat rank in 
your sort of rankings in the end. If your your power rankings of NBA teams, where do you have Miami, Ron? Probably, I think Phoenix, Utah, and Golden State are ahead of them. I think, I mean, it's tough because right now, you know, teams are the Warriors are in a slump. But does that mean I think the Warriors are going to have a the twenty fifth best offense in the NBA by the end of the season? No. It, it, I think you're basically asking where do I rank them compared to other contenders, right? Yeah, I think I'll I have rank them, all thirty. Yeah, right. I think I have them six or seven, probably around there. Yeah. I think the three top teams in the West are ahead of them. I think I'm still taking Milwaukee and Brooklyn ahead of them. Yeah. And then it's probably six or seven, something around there. I'm with you. That's where I have them. All right. Well, normally when you come on the show, we always ask you for a food take. I know you said you didn't have anything specialized. Did you come up with anything over that time? I know you said you would let us know in case you did. You didn't send anything via chat. but uh, no, just, no, just that I'm looking forward to eating a sandwich once this podcast is done. That's really all I've been thinking about. Tell me about um, the sandwich. Tell us. About I don't know. The I don't know what it's going to be yet. I don't know what it's going to no, be yet. That's we could tell you were distracted. Yeah, a, you were distracted the whole time by the sandwich. Yeah, I know. exactly. Yes. Is it a self-made sandwich or an, or a sandwich from the wild? I will probably be venturing out for this sandwich, so I got a lot of options. Yeah. Brave and brave choice, my friend. Yeah. Good for you. Well, that'll do it for today's show. Are you working on anything that you'd like to plug uh, here on the show? Just, you know, keep your eyes peeled. Uh, the Open Floor Podcast, co-hosting that with the guy, Michael Pina. Chris Herring's on there as well. We're giving out mid-season awards uh, this week. And, yeah, just, you know, stick on SI.com. We got a lot of good writers there. I think people will enjoy Absolutely. what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Remember that every episode is always free and available wherever you get the show to make sure to subscribe to get the best coverage available. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks for joining me, Wes, and thanks so much for joining us, Rowan.